Yes! Huzzah! We are back up in the spot. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 32 of your favorite podcast. Should be your favorite podcast. It is your favorite podcast. There's no reason why it wouldn't be. Right. What else would you be listening to? What else would you be listening to? We are Stakes is High, the Black Nerd Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I remain Troy Hunter at Tall Black Guy on the internets and um, General, a.k.a. Han Yolo, um, a.k.a. Uh, ask Your Mom. All right. I'm Terry Gant, owner of Third Coast Comics. Uh, I am at Doc Midnight, as well as, I should do it, I, I never did actually get the Twitter account for this, but also known as Dread October. Lately, apparently in 2019, DJ Dread October had appearances a couple different times. I'm actually kind of proud of myself. Nice. Yeah, people were willing to hear music that I like playing. You were a tastemaker, would you, would you say? Yeah, okay, I will say that. I will say that because I was able to sneak in prog metal at times, you know, when nobody was paying attention. I would, yeah, a thing would change. The mood would change, but then I'd change it back. You know, I can only, I can only make you, like, I'm bringing y'all along slowly if you hire me to do a DJ gig. You know, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this, it's been a while. It's been a while. The last time we left you, it was right after his birthday, right before mine. That was back in late August, early September. And we are back, but this is going to be our year-end thing. We're going to wrap up the year, maybe have some, sprinkle some hope for the 2020. And so we're going to give y'all some lists and in kind of not in order, but we're going to give you lists. Yeah, not necessarily in order. And in fact, like in, in when I was making my notes, I put a lot of things in my notes like best of 2019, but really the way I think of it, it might be like most interesting to me in 2019, right? Like. Not even because some of the things on my list aren't even completed yet, but I'm really intrigued by them. They started in 2019, and I think you ought to check these things out. Work. So let's get let's get into the thing with best comics. All right. So uh, we'll we'll let you start because there's there was a comic that you mentioned that isn't yep. even on my list, and I think it is it is entirely fair to to list this comic okay. as something that you checked out that you actually thought was really interesting. Yes, I actually bought all the issues. Yeah. All right. Um, Naomi. By Brian Michael Bendis. Um, of Wonder Comics. Of, it's a DC imprint. Wonder, that's what he did. He okay. did a little, a little neighborhood for himself over at DC. Because <laughs> you can. Yeah, when you you're, can, yeah. When you're Brian, when Michael, you're Brian Michael Bendis, yeah. Um, I enjoy where the story was going. You know, the, the whole... I would probably say that the... The... Not the archetype, but the... Kind of the r- routine of kind of superhero finds their powers. Oh my gosh, how does this happen? And you have very believable writing from someone who has no idea what's going on. The adults in her life aren't giving her answers. What's this going on? Things are weird. Why is this person treating me weird? Why do I not remember certain things? And you get into this full-fledged intergalactic kind of battle kind of thing where uh, Naomi is the middle of it. And it's I found the writing. I found the writing. I found the art is really good, um, and I was really intrigued by where it was going. Uh, and it just kind of kept building, kept building, kept building. I my attention was. I don't think I read and finished many things this year on the comic tip. Um, I try. I did a lot of fiction reading and whatnot. Not a nonfiction reading, but this was one that got my interest, kept my interest, let me stick on it. And I was very, very intrigued by it. Slight adjustment to the camera. Boom. <laughs> okay, 
I will add I will add something. This is something I had to point out to somebody last week who had a criticism of Naomi, right? Um, someone last week in the shop was like, you know, I don't know, man. I just I don't I don't know that I want to do like you know white dudes writing black characters or black teenagers or whatever. And I pointed something out to this person that they were unaware of. And then a lot of maybe you might not you might not even be aware of it too. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis has black children, right? Like this is this is sort of where the Naomi idea came from, right? And it's it's he's not the first person in comics to make a switch in sort of how he writes a thing or characters that he introduces that are are for the fact that he's 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 acknowledging. He wants something, someone, a character that his kids coming up can check out and yeah. be like, dad made that thing. Yeah. Or like other writers do a thing and it's like, mom made that thing. And it happens in TV shows and movies all the time. But in comics, you know, a lot of times characters, I mean, writers, creators create what they want to create when they want to create that thing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's a need in the marketplace for it. And sometimes guys just surprise you. And Brian Michael Bendis went over to DC Comics to do action comics and Superman. But he did it after coming off of years of like Miles Morales and the Ultimate Spider-Man and Daredevil and all these other, and the Avengers. He, re- he wrote so many things over at Marvel. It, it would seem like between, say, like, like, like maybe 2000 and 2015, he'd written like probably... 50% of the Marvel Universe has been written by Brian Michael Bendis at one time or another. And to me, a lot of that felt like it was a lot of it was written without purpose. Like, it was written because he had an idea. Some of his ideas were good. Some of the things he did, I didn't enjoy at all. But I understood I understood why he was doing what he was doing. It just wasn't for me, okay. right? Um, and I get why Brian Michael Bendis was the big name that he was when he was, and even now, why he's the big name that he is, right? And for me... My era in which I thought his most interesting Brian Michael Bendis isn't even major comics work. It's indie work. This is his crime work that he did before he even getting the Marvel job. It's still some of my most beloved work by that guy, right? But I, I appreciated that when he got the DC, he didn't just do Superman and wait to go write Batman. He got to do an imprint, Wonder Comics, in which he introduced like a, a, a line of, I'm going to say, young adult comics that are very accessible and entertaining, and it's it's uh, Young Justice, Naomi, the Wonder Twins, Dalek for Hero. They might not be for everybody, but if you've got a tween getting into comics, yeah. right, and they like it, 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 it's taking comics a long time to get its head out of its ass about comics are either for forty five year old dudes, white dudes, or comics are for like you know like it is it is. And I'm, when I say these words, it is not an indictment. It is Raina Telgmeier, Raina Telgmeier and Younger, right? It is comics are either for dudes that have served to kind of hold the industry back in terms of being the constant market we aim at. Yeah. It's been to our detriment, right? Or kids so young, they're never going to get to most of what DC and Marvel put on the rack. By the, time, by the time they get to DC and Marvel for what's the mainstream on the rack, by the time they get there... That stuff won't even exist in its current form anymore, right? Okay. Something like Wonder Comics means that you can you can be a 8, 9, 10, 12, 13-year-old into comics, really loving characters in comics and wanting more characters, wanting more superheroes, wanting more drama, right, from a major company, right, and, and pick any of these books up and mm-hmm. probably be entertained. The only issue that I think holds the entire mainstream comic industry back is one of distribution. So as long as you still got to live with, near a comic shop or get to a comic shop every month to buy your comics, I, I think it's a disservice to people younger than, you know, 30, right? <laughs> so we still have that problem. Yeah. But, like, I think that what he did there, I, I, Naomi gets, gets a big thumbs up from me. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis gets a big thumbs up from me for doing the Wonder Comics thing. 
and it's been a few times in comics where I've seen an imprint like that, to me, move the needle in terms of what I think needs to be done. So I kind of dig that, and I'm glad he did it. Okay. Okay. Now, comics that I thought were really interesting <laughs> in 2019... Um, like if this was if I we had to ask Troy like what was the hip hop he thought was interesting in 2019 we'll I'm gonna it. name like one thing okay. and then Troy's gonna have like 30 minutes right but so we're doing comics so we're doing I, have, comics. I, mean, I have a and like I said I, I wild did a, list I did a lot of nonfiction and fiction reading oh shit we got the <laughs> we got the easel joint now ah uh, damn that's right a lot of fun a lot of fun I did not expect this book to be fun as as fun as it was I did not expect it. I really enjoyed Assassination by uh, Assassination Nation by Kyle Starks and Erica Henderson. It is effectively a the high concept is there is a, there are a lot of hitmen in the world and someone is after one of these hitmen and what he decides is he he wants to live he does not want to go out he want nobody taking him out so he doesn't want to just hire bodyguards he hires a bunch of the other assassins in the world to protect him hijinks ensue right like it is it, it's 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 John Wick, but more fun in comic book terms. And I enjoyed it a lot. And it came out earlier this year. And I, I just really thought of, of... And Eric Henderson is most, is most well known for, I think, Squirrel Girl. Yes. Right? So it is, Squirrel Girl is a lot of fun. It's super silly. Yeah. This is the silliness with a little bit of an edge to it. Right? Okay. But I think as an illustrator, I think she's a brilliant illustrator. And I, I really did enjoy this more than I thought I was ever going to enjoy. Um, this... Next book is incredibly stupid, and I did not think this would work, but my God, I really enjoyed every damn issue of it. And if, it, if this had happened in any other format, I would not have, I probably wouldn't have cared. It is Deceased from DC Comics. It is effectively a, a DC Comics zombie story, right? But I was thinking Marvel Zombies off, it, off rip. Well, people say that, and the, the difference is this is good. Whereas Marvel Zombies, there's no part of that I'm ever going to call good, right? Like, this was good. Dark Side, his anti-life equation gets mutated to become a cybernetic thing, to become a, a, a thing that can go from technology to the brain, right? right? And he infects Cyborg, and then he's a cyborg as the vector for the anti-life equation, which is basically normally a mind control thing. Here it is a, a bodily corruption thing that affect, you are infected not by bite, you are infected through technology, right? So you look at a screen, okay. and you become a murderous zombie. With your powers. So the first two issues, three issues, are all about, like, hey, maybe Batman can help us. Nah, but at the end of issue two, Batman can't help you. Right? By the time you get to issue four, the mission is, let's make sure Superman is never infected. Oops. Right? Like, it's, it was dumb, clean fun, and I liked it. I liked it more than I ever thought I was going to like it. I really thought, okay, this is going to be silly. It is going to be Marvel Zombies, and I'm going to hate it. Right? But every issue, I was like, okay, I forgot why I love Tom Taylor so much as a writer. He can he can write uh, he can write superpower people really well. He can write regular humans really well, and he writes in a way that doesn't require you to have read thirty years worth of comics. Right? You don't have to like that's, that's know the idiosyncrasies of how he did. Like Brian Michael Bendis writes a thing, and he's like, "Oh, here come the conversations that are going to go on for five pages." <laughs> big, Tom big Taylor word bubbles. Do, yeah, Tom Taylor doesn't do that, right? <laughs> he he's he, he and 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 a few other guys like him. Like they're just they're they're cool dudes. Who just, Jim Zub is another one that just, they, they know how to write the characters they're writing, and they want to have fun with it, and they want it to get you, and they want to get you out. They want to keep the high concept the high concept, but they're going to get in there, and you're going to know these characters are the characters you came to see, right? And they're going to lose in this case, and I really did enjoy that. Um, <laughs> I have 
a very popular book. This one did really well at my shop. Die by Karen Gillan. Uh, Karen Gillan, he did uh, Wicked Divine. He did Uber. He's done a, lot, a ton of stuff. He's done a bunch of uh, like Marvel work. Um, he's not yet been poached by DC, and I'm a little surprised by that. Um, but his indie work is all phenomenal. I, I really like Wikdiv and, and Uber. I, I enjoyed Uber more than I thought I was going to. In fact, it became like one of those things where I felt dirty after reading it. And that was his like World War II comic in which the Nazis get super, they develop superpower beings before the Allies do. Okay. And the war is just all, it's a worse place to be because of this, you know? Um, and he, he, he did that book by heavily researching actual historical events of World War II and therefore coinciding story beats in his story with the history of World War II. And I thought it was super clever. And I liked it more than I even like Wicked and Divine. And I really like Wicked and Divine. In this book, he's taken on like a, a Dungeons and Dragons kind of trope thing. Uh, he, it's, I, I, I've sold it to people as Dungeons and Dragons murder mystery. You know? Like, okay. and, and, and that is underselling it in a way. But when I start talking about it, it gives too much away to describe what Die is about. And I'm going to say that Karen Gillan and Stephanie Hines did a phenomenal job, and you should run out right now and just start reading Die. If you're a D&D fan or, like, even a peripheral fantasy, like, you want to – people come in and they ask me for a good fantasy graphic novel, and there just aren't really that many good ones. I, I, I don't like almost any of them, right? And I will say I won't call this a fantasy one, but it does its D&D connection as, in a high concept in such a way that I do think that's cool. So I love that. About it, and you should read it. Now we're going to get into a few that aren't finished. They're just things that have started, and uh, you should run out and get um, <laughs> from anyone. I don't care who. Uh, you could get them from Third Coast Comics, which is located where sixty four forty three North Sheridan Road in Chicago, Illinois six zero six two six. You could do that, right? But let's say I'm just too far away, and you're too lazy to email me at Terry at Third Coast Comics all spelled out dot com and arrange for me to send you a thing through the mail. Because I can do that too, right? If that is not your, your way, go to any other comic shop and buy these things because they're great, right? Comics are great. You should be reading them. And I don't really care where you get them from. If you're not getting them from me, do whatever you can to get them from me. But if you can't, whatever. I will ship anywhere in the continental United States. Anywhere. I have to stress continental United States because some people have asked me to ship them some things. And I found out the cost of these things is often not worth it to you or me. You know, we have the question. There's only a couple weeks old. And the question is like a beloved character. He's like one of my favorite characters, right? He's not as cool as Dr. Midnight is. He's just not, right? But he is a very cool character. <laughs> and he is the inspiration for Rorschach and Watchmen fame, right? Uh, and recently, super prolific writer Jeff Lemaire and legendary comic book artist Dennis Cowell, also a brother, right? Have come to, come to this character to kind of give you the question in sort of like its purest form. And it's from DC's Black Label imprint, speaking of imprints, right? It's from the Black Label imprint, which is kind of like their vertigo doesn't exist anymore, so now Black Label's kind of their mature reader, kind of catch-all kind of thing. Okay. I think also Deceased might also be Black Label, but I forget, but maybe that was just DC. It's not in continuity, so it doesn't matter, but should have been Black Label. Oh my God, for all the murder. Um, yeah, all I, the murder. I think I don't think this is even monthly. This might be like every other month or something like that. But its format is like it's it's a extra oversized format kind of thing. Um, if you're a bookshelf purist, like you need things that kind of look like books when they're on your bookshelf because you're trying to hide the fact that you love comics from the people who visit your home. Like if you're, I mean, that kind of wuss, then yeah, cool, let that stop you. But if 
if you if you can be a grown up about it and like love comics no matter how they're shaped and just be angry about it inwardly but not tell anybody then you should run out and get this even though it's in this this oversized format DC thinks this oversized format is fantastic I myself I think the oversized format is the thing that you only do when the book is complete you know what I mean like if you if we are if we're collecting individual issues in oversized format it is kind of a thing like. As a retailer, I have to keep finding space for it at this odd-ass size. But if it's in your house, you shouldn't care, right? Like that's and you me. wouldn't care if you had it in your house. Yeah, yeah. You've already paid for it. What difference does it make? So you should get this in your house. Dennis Cowan uh, has done some of the coolest-ass comics in history. Uh, he's, done, he's one of the guys who uh, was a milestone founder. Um, and, and honestly, there are, when I heard Jeff Lemire was part of writing the question, instantly I was involved. I was in. I was hooked. Like, yes. Make that dude do that book. I trust him. Make I don't say that about it. A lot of times I say, I don't trust that man. You know how much is in the previews catalog that I order from? And I go, I don't trust those people. <laughs> this may not show up. <laughs> this may not <laughs> be a thing I order because I don't trust those people. You know, I'm just not, I don't trust everybody. You can't eat anybody potato salad. You sure can't. <laughs> True. Marinate We're getting it. towards the end of my comics list. Uh, Dead Eyes. By Gary Duggan, or Jerry Duggan, I'm not really sure, I've never met the guy in person, but one day I will, and Josh McCray. Uh, John McCray. Uh, John McCray is a legendary dude, who did, he did a Hitman, and I think he did some Lobo. Uh, he, he, like, it's, he's like a 90s era, kind of like alternative style, gritty sort of an artist, and he's really good at noir crime fiction. And for a lot of what he does, you look at his style of art and you will think, oh, it's just not that house style that I want, but the style that he does use, fits the stories he tells, right? I like that about him, right? And and and, and Jerry Duggan, I've seen, he did a, he did a book called, um, I don't know, it was something like, I want to say it was called like New Horizon or something, but it was, it was basically, but it was a sci-fi version of the Odyssey, right? Hmm. Our, our book club once, everybody read this book for a book club and it was a phenomenal book. Um, and I can, I can picture the cover, I just can't remember. Somebody out there will correct me and tell me what the name of that book was. Like if Betsy's paying attention, Betsy would know what the hell that book was. It was fantastic. Um, Dead Eyes is effectively the story of a, a bank robber, uh, mobster type dude who was out there robbing banks and then he retired. He disappeared from the scene uh, for a while, but he disappeared with a whole bunch of money yeah. stashed away somewhere, right? And one day, now he's just out there living his life and he's got a regular old job and he's not out there doing that old dirty shit no more, right? And then he's, he's working at a grocery store, just bagging groceries. And he sees a man buying a select set of items and he knows that man's about to murder somebody, right? So he, he, he's saying to the bro, like, hey, look, bro, like, um, hey, I don't know what you're about to do. I, I think I know what you're about to do, but don't do that, right? My man plays him off. So my dude, the, the main character, is like, well, you know what? I'll just, I'll knock off early, follow a man, see what's what, right, right. you know? And it's like, oh, shit, this is what you're doing. Oh, no, wait, okay, hijinks is soon. Those hijinks are, because my, the main dude gets involved, some of the dudes he may have ripped off are now aware he's back in play when they thought he might be dead, right? And now we can do a thing. This can be one of those things the stars or HBO somebody pick up, and you will you will be there when when that happens if you you get dead eyes. Now it was it did come out a year or two ago. It was called Dead Rabbit, okay. but a, a cease and desist may have happened because <laughs> the book was called Dead Rabbit, and there was another book called Dead Rabbit that I never heard of. But they've changed the name. They've, they've finished. The basic book is probably finished by now. Because like it would have been finished back in, you know? And now it's called Dead Eyes. It's Three issues are out. This is just issue number one. Um, but there are three issues currently on, on, on shelves. If you're a comic shop, it's cool. 
if your comic shop has never ordered Dead Eyes, that shouldn't be your comic shop. Because that shit was cool two years ago when they were told not to do it. So, like, you know, the minute this was resolicited, I was like, I'm going to put that on some people. You know? Sometimes you'll come to my shop and you just read the three, four books you read and you'll go to your box and that there'll just be some extra comics in your box and they're in there because I know you want to pay for these books even if you don't know you want to pay for these books. And I, yeah, I will say to you, Tastemaker, would you say? In this case, Strong Armor, but yes, okay, sure, also Tastemaker, yeah, and you're going to buy these books because you're going to like these books. And you'll be, if you find out from your boy that he had these books and didn't put you up on it, you'll be angry. So I'm just going to put them in your box now. And tell you you're buying them, right? And you're going to thank me later. Then a week later, they come back to thank me, you know. But this is one of those books I did that with. Some books I can't do that with. Right. If I could just put Deadpool in everybody's book just to get the fuck out of my shop, I would. Because I don't respect Deadpool. I, I think it sucks. But, like, if I could I'd sell more Deadpool just by dropping in your subscriber box, I'd do it. You know? Because what, what was it? Merch. What was it? Whimsy. Whimsy. <laughs> I hate Whimsy. <laughs> I don't want whimsy in my comics. I, I don't need the fourth wall break broken, and I don't need constant inane jokery. And I, the jo- it's over. We, we're good, man. We good. We good. Thank you, Deadpool. Would you say he two thousand and five would like you to come back and chill the fuck out? Would there. you say he took Spider Man stick and took it to another level? Hmm. Spider Man stick has always been talking shit. Anyway. But 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 it's it's but but, never been fourth but wall. But 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 well, Spider Man stick. The, the, the jokes with Spider-Man are the thing that breaks up the gravity of what Spider-Man's life is, right? Sure. Yeah. He jokes and quips throughout his adventures because everything he goes through is a thing that is life or death. And if he doesn't do it, his friends die. Like, they don't even know Spider-Man's the thing that might be saving them, right? They don't know Peter Parker is, is preventing them from going over the precipice, right? They have no clue. And that is so heavy to him that he has to make a joke out of every damn thing, Right? I, 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 okay. So it makes sense when it's Spider-Man. Okay. Right? right. Deadpool shtick is, I think that, honestly, it's on some level, the producers of said book don't respect you as a reader. <laughs> I hate Deadpool. Uh, next on my list is a new thing. Another, there's no second issue yet even for this. N.K. Jemison and Jamal Campbell doing a book called Far Sector. I don't promote a lot of Green Lantern things in life, generally, right? Because I kind of feel like my way around just my dislike for how Jordan is a Green Lantern is that there's 3,600 other Green Lanterns you can get into that don't have to be that guy. And DC will keep mining Green Lantern to find a new one for you. And a lot of times, they they appear interesting at first, but then they really just aren't. And and it's it's been a while. Currently... There are several Green Lanterns on Earth who are all interesting, and this is one who is not on Earth. Is a Far Sector is called Far Sector because it's the ass end of space. Like in the book, it's stated, "I don't even know what sector of space this is," right? And it's a place so remote that they're just cut off from the rest of the Green Lantern Corps. And I think that they've come up with a really cool way of doing like kind of a a space like space law and order, you know, a space gritty crime novella. Right, involving Green Lanterns with like this really dope ass look. Look, look at that character design. Right, look at that. So I heard about I heard about this because a lot of the not Hotep per se. Yeah, but a lot of the whole down another road altogether. <laughs> a lot of the very pro black folks are like this is the book I wanted because it is. It, it, we, we were quoting black authors. Yeah. 
were were coming with there's an Afrocentricity on it to it. Afrofuturism. Futurism, yes. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. That people are like, ooh, this may be the book that gets me back in because some people just gave up. They're like, yeah. well, the white people gonna win and the other people, however you're coding them, whether you're green or purple or whatever, purple they always lose. Sure. They always lose. So how do we kind of keep that, you know, how do we not feed into the machinery of basically white teenage boy superhero fantasy. But this came up, and they were like, oh, shit, this is awesome. Here's my, okay, I hear all of that, and it's a bigger problem than even that for those people. If you only show up to wherever you're going to get it from to buy the first issue, you're kind of not solving your own problem here, right? This book needs to be supported by the people who want that thing. Yeah. But it means it's a serialized comic. you got to show up next month about the next issue. And the issue after that. And the issue after that. Right? Because if you don't do that, what ends up happening is comic shops are going to like, they're going to reorder issue one because the, 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 the fans are buying it. The lapsed fans are buying it. The uncles and aunties are buying it maybe, right? Like, right. like, like it's, it's getting mentioned on some podcasts, right? Like ours, you know. Like, but if everyone shows up to cop the first issue so they feel like they're in, Mm-hmm. And they got a thing. Hey, at last, maybe this is what we've always been looking for. It can't be what you've always been looking for if you don't buy all the. If, if you don't stay in, then there is right. no incentive for the publisher to, to make sure they get more of this out there. Right. Zero incentive. Right. But with the and uh, there's a term for this where people wait for the trades mm. instead of buying the entire. There's a trade whole, waiting is assuaging of guilt for not buying and supporting a thing. That's what that is. Trade waiting is a myth, right? People aren't actually trade waiting. You know what I mean? No, no, no. Okay. okay. Here's why, here's why I, I say this. Oh, right? is it? Touch upon it. I shall. I shall touch upon this thing. If there are five comics that you see as number ones and you're just not sure that you want them and they all cost four bucks, what you have basically done is decide that you are not on this particular Wednesday spending $20. But if you say you are going to trade wait, then it means that at the end of said five-issue series, so five months from now, you are going to, in that month, spend $100. What's more likely? Is it more likely that you would spend five, 20 bucks a month? Or that you will in one week, in one month, drop a hundred bucks? You're not going to drop a hundred bucks, right? If you were to trade weight on all five series right. and actually come through on that. That you knew you liked. That you knew, but you don't know you like. You don't know you, don't know you why like you, it. But that's why you buy the first five. The, you buy the first four. At the first four, at the first that's four, first you month. may as well buy, right. You buy, a, you buy your five. Usually, a story arc is usually five, maybe six issues, right? Okay. So if you buy the first five, you bought the story arc, we ain't got to worry about the trade weight. You now know, you have that right. first complete story. Yes. But it, if you buy five different. Oh, I, yeah, sure. If you buy five, five different first issues. I want to buy five, yeah. let me just cop five things. Yes. I read them, I go, yeah. okay, where does this go? I don't like this. Right. And, uh, if and you, you, you if the first issue don't grab you, you are not obligated to buy any of the rest. Right, okay. Right. But then you say, all right, out of these five I got the first month, I like two. Yep. But in your in your expectation, then, then, then in five months, what should happen is you should arrive at the comic shop in one particular week, and, and buy you should buy out. both of those things. And now you should drop forty bucks. Okay. Yes. I'm not that saying what I, you should do. That's what, I'm not saying that you you heard it's if a you myth. only drop I'm not if saying you only drop twenty bucks. If you only drop twenty bucks, what you effectively did was way back five five months ago, right? You decided back then. You were only going to buy one of those books when the trade came out, right? Okay. You know what I mean? Like people's budgets haven't changed, right? So don't you don't need to you don't need to convince yourself that you have more money than you actually have. You don't. You already don't. 
you should buy your comics in increments that you can afford. Yeah. Because if you if you say to yourself you're going to trade wait, I bet for most comic book fans, if they really paid attention to what they thought they were trade waiting, then at some month they owe somebody 150 damn dollars. Like there's so much being trade waited on, mm-hmm. there's just no way you're ever going to get around to all those books. Especially the number of people that I hear saying to me, "Yeah, I'm buying this. It's just going to go on top of the stack." And they're put they're talking about putting books on top of the stack that are already completed. Right? They're not even talking about their monthly. Like, I know people with monthly stacks of comics, right? Like fives, right? But then I know people with stacks like this, right? That are this high, right? And now they're buying trades. They still ain't getting to. So, like, to me, don't even say you're trade waiting. Buy the comics that seem interesting to you. And, and you may have to do that thing to stick it out to see where that story goes. Because that is, this is another thing. I hate Deadpool. And I also don't, I don't quite get, uh, I fight binge culture, right? I fight the idea that we must get all of it right now because we just no longer have the attention span. We no longer have the ability to yeah. like, to wait and see how this goes. Mm-hmm. Right. If this were music, I don't want somebody dropping an album on me a track at a time over the course of six months. I will admit I, that is not a thing I've ever had to do. Right. That's some but, weird shit. But I don't also, want that. Right, but it's also a consumption level yes. that a consumption kind of model if you were reading a novel if you were reading a novel and somebody had to give you 15 pages at a time i'd be pissed too right i don't want that i'm not a crazy person like that that's not one of my issues that makes me a crazy person i am driven crazy by this idea hey don't worry i'll be back and give you a bunch more money i just don't want the thing you've already spent money on right now to stock in 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 the effort that i should maybe want this thing right now right i know your tastes me being the general me not me specifically but as as a retailer we are, we, are, we are working on the tastes of the reader base we already know. Yeah. Right? You've been coming to our shop. We see the buying patterns. We see the taste patterns. We kind of have an idea of what it is we think that group of people would be interested in. And that's right. how and why we stock our shops. Yeah. If you are saying when you come in, ooh, I'm just going to trade weight on that. One or two things, it works. You can trade weight on one or two things. No one can trade weight on nine things. That's true. It won't happen. Because every week, some new number one drops that you might be interested in, right? So if I say this, if when I say that there's five books you're not buying now, you're going to trade with them, it's 100 bucks. That's 100 bucks a week, right? It's impossible. It will. It, that's unsustainable. But like I said, but everyone knows their budget. Yes. So I cannot I cannot manage a budget for you, yes. That, that's, that's, that's I can't manage a budget. That is very certain. For you, no. But, for example, yeah. I trade weight on Saga. Fair. Wasn't buying Saga weekly? Yep. One by, and when Brian K. Vaughn, Fiona Staples said, all right, we're going to leave, yeah. leave this uh, volume three. That the break is three joint. months overdue, I'll point out. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to leave this joint. You know, we're going to leave book yep. three to hardcover. Yep. I went and copped that shit yep. from Third Cool Comics. In yeah. fact, you, I was there when that happened. Yes. Yes. Money exchange hands. Yes. I was there for that. Yes. But Saga also isn't in that place where, at this point, Saga doesn't. There, there are far more people like I don't, Saga still. So for me, Saga is still like the Saga and Die and Batman might be, and now the X Men, right? Might be the three biggest, four biggest, like kind of uh, uh, subscriber based books, yeah. as well as, but like not a shelf book anymore. Saga on my shelves, there's not many issues I have to work. But man, the bulk of my order goes in the trade boxes, in the, in the subscriber boxes, because everyone, a lot of people still do read it. Yeah. And then a whole lot of people buying Saga who've never bought a single floppy issue of it. It's on volume nine already. Like, Saga's an unusual case. It is very unusual. But it is, but it is a case of where trade waiting does make sense. Yeah. Because... Especially it, if I want that you know, hardcover joint. Yeah. 
I'm not going to buy the flag. I know what I'm doing. 50% of the comic book market is trade paperbacks and graphic novels. If 50% of the market is trade paperbacks and graphic novels and the other 50% is serialized, I kind of feel like trade waiting sort of means that a larger chunk of your budget needs to be like, your, your time and effort needs to be, I'm going to the shop twice a month to get me three or four trades. Because, like, it's 50% of the market, yeah. right? Otherwise, basically, the, the only benefit of trades, honestly, the other real benefit is that there's no shelf life, right? Yeah. Like, I don't have to, I don't have to like, eat my shirt if issue three ain't selling like issue two, right? The trade is the trade, so I can sit it wherever I'm going to sit it. But it's just all I'm saying is that when people are telling themselves they're trade waiting, they're not really actually trade waiting. Okay. They're, they're, they're short-term memorying it where they're going to push out of their heads what they're foregoing right now. They're going to come into the shop five months later and be like, ooh, that's a thing. And then they're going to buy, they're going to buy one-fifth of what, what they, they, what they saw okay. five months ago. Okay. That is the pattern that okay. I've noticed. But I'm just saying because... Your mileage may vary on the kind of shops. But, but the point being that for people like me who know their budget, yep. who know I like these things, but I also either don't have room, or don't have a storage... Yep. Yeah, but I, I know I like this story. Like, Naomi was a big thing to me. Comics cost, ooh, and that's another good point, too. This is a way in which, like, like you get fucked. Because um, Naomi didn't have a soft cover before it had a hard cover. Yeah. Right? Right. So for people who trade waited on Naomi, the first thing to hit you with was a big-ass, oversized hardcover. And I also don't agree with that. I kind of feel like for people who are waiting for the trade, let those people get in at a reasonable price. Yes. To allow them not just money to buy that trade, but, like, the comic shop experience is one where I feel like you ought to be in the shop for 20 minutes. Right? You should be seeing the things, experiencing your eyeballs need to be assaulted. Right? Your senses need to be attacked. You know? That's kind of how I feel about that. Like, uh, if you come in and you're just like, ooh, there's that Naomi, I got it, I'm out. Right? You have missed a good chunk of what the comic shop can experience. Yeah. A lot of comic shops ask, and maybe you don't want to be there more than five minutes, mm-hmm. but you shouldn't go there in the first place. Good. Right? But like, if you're, if you're in a spot where like, you know this is the one you want, I don't think the company should be soaking you on oversized hardcovers. Yeah. I mean, I, I do the Saga thing because Saga feels like well, that kind of thing. Correct. That's One of the best books to be done in the last but, but, five, six years. So, but that's yeah. a, that's a side. They've earned it. But Naomi being New Jack, yeah. being like yeah. a completely new property. You Fair. to your point, you need a soft cover. Yeah. You know what I mean? Before you hit me yeah. with the here's the deluxe with the script in the back yeah. and it's the still sketches. in the soft cover for Naomi at this point. Like Young Justice doesn't have a soft cover. I don't need yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. I agree. It. Don't need it. Uh, also, uh, so other things I don't actually have. Yeah, I don't have books for it. Well, okay. I don't really have more comics. I'm just going to say that you should go out when the, when the trade comes out, when the hardcover comes out, when the deluxe hardcover slipcase comes out, you should read Event Leviathan by Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maleev. You should read House of X and Powers of Ten or Powers of X by Jonathan Hickman, Pepe Larraz, and R.B. Silver. You should read Naomi because you did actually mention Naomi. These are things you should read. You should also read and support any comics that you do like be they like independent anthologies like Dead Beats uh, that was done by a, a Wave Blue World, or I don't know who the collective was who put the book together. It was like Everything Has Gone Wrong. It was a, a graphic novel anthology about mental health. Like those are two that we have in the shop that I, I sell a lot of, and I love that I can support those things. Um, I don't know too many other really important books that came out this year that I'm over the moon about, but that you should go out and find and you should support no matter what, whether you know anything about those books at all. Like some of those, there are some properties that came out this year that have only had one issue, but are super probably relevant to your interest, even if you don't know it yet. And you should go out and get those as soon as you can, as much as you can, and support them 
forever and ever and ever. I mean, I don't have any specific names or anything, but there are some that you could support that way if you were so inclined. Like, not that I know of any specific names of any books, but you should do that thing. You know? now, I'm just going to leave this completely innocuous. Uh, you know, for the audio people, though, they have no idea. Oh, I might have been. That's true. I forget that there are people who are listening who are, who are not just there are audio watching. people. <laughs> this is Spirit of Radio. Uh, I was just holding a copy of Legion of Superheroes number one by Brian Michael Bendis and Ryan Sook. Uh, and I'm going to say Ryan Sook for now because Ryan Sook is notorious for drawing four issues or something and then disappearing because it takes him a long time to draw a thing. So I don't know who the next artist is going to be for Legion of Superheroes, but Legion of Superheroes is my favorite comic book property of all time. And I'm thrilled that it's back, and I'm kind of thrilled that Brian Michael Bendis is writing it. And if it wasn't him, I wanted to be Jonathan Hickman. And if it wasn't Jonathan Hickman, I wanted to be Gail Simone. And if it wasn't Gail Simone, I probably wanted to be um, Magnum Visaggia. So yes, I yes, I do have a list of people I want to write, the Legion of Superheroes, damn it, right? And they have not all gotten to do so, but Brian Michael Bendis is the one doing it now. And I also have a list of artists. If anybody wants to get at me, I'll tell you the artists I want to do this book to. But yes, I am... Imagine there in Radio Land, if you can't see this right now, imagine... The cover to Legion of Superheroes number one, being full of superheroes, whether you know who they are or not. Just imagine a bunch of superheroes on the cover. Call the Legion, and you should go out and read that book there. That's what you should do. Radio Land. Everybody else doing Facebook Live, which apparently looks just like it's only my mom, but that's fine too. <laughs> that's, a, that's a thing. It could be a thing. It could be other people. You know, I have no idea. Uh, what? We're, we're determining if there's some kind of weird. Yeah. Internet thing happening. Um, what? Rule 57, Rule 57. Uh, what? Okay. Okay. I don't know what that means. I don't either. I just did the log thing. Yeah. Okay. But it's and still recording. We're still live. Oh, but wait. Hey! <laughs> it's my friend Nikki Lanfair. You are also not my mother. You are, however, one of my best friends from high school, um, of which I only have very I have just a couple of best friends from high school. You are one of those best friends from high school. We, we are represented, and I believe uh, okay, two Georgia people. and and okay. the South Side. Yeah, that's just two people. So. If it wasn't for In Masani Lanfair right there, I probably would have never. I would have never discovered the Cure, or hell, half the shit that I've been playing in these DJ gigs I've been gotten. Like, like, Nicole Lanfair got me into it. It was kind of cool. Yeah. So, like, the legacy lives on. <laughs> and we can tell that we're live. Thumbs up. We right? Live. We are live. Okay. Oh, yeah. Thank I you. I was just making sure that the stream was working. Right. All right. Cool. Uh, what else do we got? We got uh, what I spent 2019 listening to. You want to start that one off, Troy? Um, <laughs> no, you're going to get, get my half hour. Okay. <laughs> Sky Zoo. <laughs> did you listen to anything other than Sky Zoo yes. in 2019? Yes, I did. Uh, what do we oh, yeah, you did. Okay. Yeah, I did. All right. That's cool. Um, who and one of those is really cool. Two of those are really cool. All right. I like this. Um, also, um, anyway, 2019 is one of So every time people ask for a year-end list, yep. you always forget the kind of shit that came out in January, February, and that kind of thing. You totally forget that stuff. Right. And the way my personal kind of calendar works is that I work on my birth year shit. So everything is everything from September on. So when someone says, what did you like in January? I know I have no idea because that was last year to me. Oh, I got you. Okay, so your year starts when you're My year starts on my okay. birthday. So right, and this, okay. this is my Jackie Robinson year, okay. 42. And someone's like, what are you in January? I have no idea. But I look back. Anderson Pack released two albums this year. He released Oxnard, which wasn't very good. 
and he released uh, Ventura, which was awesome. And take it, he's from California. He is. Okay. Why? Uh, yes. Yes. I have no idea is. how I know that. Huh? Especially when it well, especially when his first albums were Malibu and <laughs> Venice. Huh? Huh? Okay. Um, Boy. He did some awesome. I'll just say California people need to get over themselves. No, I think not. Um, he was great. He's is like I say he was able to. I've never seen an artist release an album, get kind of like, eh, and then it's like here's some hot shit, and he'll be like, oh, and you lost the entire shit. Um, Sleeper of the year, Micaiah McCraven. I saw Micaiah McCraven, who is like, he does fucking everything. He doesn't. He's a drummer. He's a singer. He's a producer. He's done all this stuff. He released. A, he released. I saw him open for J Live at some random ass bar like two years ago. And now he's being mentioned with Kamasi Washington, with like um, these young lines of jazz sure. now. Yeah. Like now he's getting some props and his shit is, if you want some ethereal, if you like the dude's a drummer, just can sing, he knows a bunch of other like kind of indie people. I don't know if he's from Chicago or not, I think he is, but he's gotten a, it's a ton of people to kind of, uh, uh, work with him, and he is just he is, is the 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 grooves are nice. Um, he can amp it up when he wants to. Um, and I met him at this show, and I was so blown away. I had no idea. I was there for J Live. Shout out to J Live, who's trying to do his thing. But he opened, and it was a random ass bar. I can't even tell where, remember where it was. And I was so blown away. And I, I got there early, and I figured J Live isn't going to, you know, maybe the crowds, maybe eighty people or so. And the stage is such where you couldn't get more than 15 feet away from it because it was set up running along the side of this bar. Okay. So you couldn't actually move sure. to the back away yeah. or anything. Um, and he, the shit blew me away so hard. Like I was like, dude, I need to, I need, a, I need an album. I need, a, yeah. I need one. He says, "Well, I got my deluxe." And because this was jazz, you could get an album. You can get. <laughs> Yes. No. <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, shout out to him. No, but like I listened to him. Like he was he's just doing good. He's just doing good music right now, and I'm I'm really, oh, really, really enjoying that. Cool. Um, little brother came back. Little brother did come back this year. Little brother came back, little and I saw I, I saw him at the metro, and that shit was awesome. And there is, I have an issue with them personally. Well, with one of them personally. Yeah. But I cannot deny they have chemistry. I can't deny that the shit is on time. People complain the album had too many skits. The skits were perfect. They were like 20 seconds. You got to laugh and you moved sure. on. Some of it, it is, and it's grown folk. This is also grown sort of like, folk little brother about that though, right? Like this is what they do. Yeah, this is what they yeah. do. Yeah. And I appreciate grown folk shit. I appreciate, we went out, they said the show was supposed to start at nine. These cats came out at 9.05. They did some stuff, and they said, look, Rapper Big Pooh is like 48, and Fonte's like 41 or something like that. And they says, you know what? We are too old to be still in the back. <laughs> Two hours later, you expect the show. The doors open at 8. Yeah. You expect the show. Yeah. To, you know, it says, door, you know, show doors at 8, show at 9. Yeah. The DJ did a little wiki wiki. And they came on. Yeah. That was it. They says we're too old to be still in the back smoking weed, yeah. 
whatever, whatever. We'll let them, we'll let them sit for another sit hour. For another hour. He says, we are grown. This is grown folk rap. There's also, there's also the other issue is, and they didn't mention this to you, but I think there's a Wrigleyville noise ordinance, right? There's a certain point in time in which all of this has to be done in Wrigleyville. Like <laughs> when there's a concert at Wrigley, right? Basically down the block from the Metro. Sure. That show will end. It will start on time and it will end on time no matter what because noise ordinance ain't nobody going late. Huh. We ain't doing it. Huh. You know? So they went on on time because that's that what they're doing. Really. That makes sense. But yeah. they says, we have three rules. We're going to start on time, kick these raps, take our ass home. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciated that. I was there for that. And they oh. rocked for two solid hours okay. and left. Okay. Cool. All right. We're going to come we on gotta, stage. We got a bus to get on. Spit these raps. Yep. Take our ass home. <laughs> I'd appreciate that. I really, and the, the album was. You will be out of here in time, and you can make it to work early in the morning. I spent yeah. more time in the merch line than it was for me standing around waiting for them to start. That's great. It was awesome. Very much appreciate. Much appreciated for them. Um, uh, Freddie Gibbs. The thing about Freddie. Freddie Gibbs is from Gary. One, but Freddie Gibbs hooked up with Madlib. And Mad Lib is one of the most slept on musical people in any genre, in my opinion, because Mad Lib does everything. He appreciates everything. He's like the Giles Peterson of like hip hop. Like he goes to Brazil. Yeah. He goes to Africa. He goes to, he, he's all over the place and he's sampling and he's listening to music. He loves music and you can kind of, you can tell that. So when he met, he met, met, Freddie Gibbs has been around for a minute and Freddie Gibbs gives you pretty much nothing but I sell drugs and fuck you. Yeah. That's kind of Freddie Gibbs' kind of thing. Sure. But Freddie Gibbs linked up with Mad Lib and Mad Lib's whole thing is if I think your genre or your approach is different from mine, let's get together. Let's get together and let's see what we can learn. Let's see what we can get to put together. And they put together an album called Bandana, which banged so hard. It was stupid hard. And it was, and I actually listened, like, I, as a rule, I hate, hate, hate cocaine rap. Sure. I'm done, I'm, I'm tired of it. Yeah. I'm tired, oh, you, yeah, woo, we chopping that white, and woo, yeah, getting boiling pot, okay, this, uh, woo, we got money, yay. I don't care. Right. But Mad Lip made that shit fun and interesting. And it banged hard. I was very, I was, huh, let me re-examine my morals. Do I want to cook cocaine? No, I don't. No, I, I don't. No, I don't no, actually want to cook cocaine. Yeah. But I can listen to you. Maybe. Because Freddie Gibbs is not, this is what I'm doing currently. Freddie Gibbs is, I used to do it. I didn't have fun doing it. I'm not doing it anymore because right now I'm at a show and they're flinging panties at me right now. So this is kind of fun. Okay. I can kind of do it with that. That's fine. But Mad Lib, Mad Lib, the Beat Conductor series is still classic shit. Just him going to different places and just giving you instrumental soundtrack to the country he's in or that kind of thing. And it's uh, to a vibe, to a mood. And it's just, um, and it, his career at this point is like th- almost 30 years. So it might sound like a guy like Freddie Gibbs is somewhat limited in his very much so. skill. Very- but Mad Lib is going around Mad- basically finding guys to work with. And he's 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 reframing these things in a way that like now yeah you can still do it you're basically getting a Mad Lib album with with different people that he's exposing you to yeah. or he's exposing himself to he's exposing himself to okay because he's he can give you that you it's, know it's mixed media hip hop 
So, right. you know, he, he's, you know, Matt Lives worked with MF Doom. He's worked with Freddie Gibbs. He's worked with all these. None of that just seems interesting. Whatever Freddie Gibbs talking about, he interested me in the least. Yeah. Right. But if I put on this joint called Palm Olive, which has Killer Mike and Pusha T, it is amazing. Okay. Like, this is okay. Um, but because Matt Lib, Matt Lib just seems to be working. And very much into that. And he oh. might have, in fact, called the right guys. Yeah. To help kind of shine this up a little bit. Okay. Also, another person, Knowledge, um, who did a joint with Anderson Pack not too long ago, um, did, a, a, did a, a collaboration, is kind of a junior Matt Lib. But his whole thing is more, we're going to smooth this out. We're going to smooth this out. I'm going to give you funky licks. I'm going to give you samples from play, things you've never heard of in ways you've never heard of them. I'm gonna give you live instrumentation because I can play instruments. Sure. Yeah. And he by himself is releasing these mixtapes, like one a month. And he's just churning them out. Remixes, instrumentals, and it's just out the music is outstanding. It's just like you nod, you bang your head a little bit, you smooth it out, and you it's all these things. And he can do them all. And he, I, I get the feeling he's just trying to do things. He's yeah. trying, let me see if this works. Let me throw this yeah. at the wall. That's, Before oh, he actually it. makes an album, he'll release 40, he'll, 36 he'll, actual remixes. He'll, he'll do remixes and figure out what he wants to do. Yeah. Um, very much into that vibe. Like I said, the Makai McRaven thing, like Makai McRaven's actually, you know, he's playing drums, doing everything else. But it's, and all these are people who are not as concerned with, who are very concerned about the music. We're very concerned about how do I make this thing? How do, and how do I present it? How do I present How Who do I need to get to come to my shit to sprinkle some, some of their stuff on it? And it's out goddamn standing. Um, and, oh. Um, Hamilton. Yes. Um, we'll get that. Sky Zoo and Pete Rock, oh, sir. Speaking of which, about people who are trying to do things, Pete Rock is now apparently on this little comeback trail thing. Um, and you got with Sky Zoo. Sky Zoo is one of my top, probably not top five, my top ten. Um, he's easily your number six. He could be mine. <laughs> but uh, Sky Zoo's the dude, like, I, pretty much every time Sky Zoo's in town I go. Um, lyrically, awesome. Um, delivery, the whole thing. Mad humble. I gave him, I gave him love. I, I mentioned an album I mentioned a song off his first, first before major album. He, oh, duh. So he gave me love on that. Yeah. Um, so him and Pete Rock did a thing. Um, and it was, it, Pete Rock sold it as, I took all these things I made in the 90s in that kind of mindset, the boom bap, sure. the CL smooth kind of thing where, you know, some stuff was smoothed out, some stuff banged, but I'm going to give this to you over a new, raw, up-and-coming kind of cat. And it was excellence. It was absolute excellence. Um, oh, it was excellent. Goddamn. Excellence, excellence. And I will say, finally, um, I wasn't forced, but I went to see I've seen Hamilton twice now. The last time, the first time we saw it, um... My wife had no idea what the song, like she knew three songs. Okay. And we went with a bunch of people who were Hamilton total. Five, six, seven. Yeah. Not at that point, but who were very excited about it. We saw it. Mine exploded. 
I I really enjoyed it, and that was like the first, the second week it was here in Chicago. They're closing it now. They're be clo they're closing. I believe they're closing at the end of the month. Okay. Um. So let's see it again. And this time, we had to do the run up. We listened to the soundtrack over and over again. Oh, we did okay. all that kind of thing. And I have nothing but. And after you, it's been thoroughly digested and think pieced and all that good shit. But. You really understand, not understand, but you really have a, a, a sense of how big this is. The fact that now that Lin-Manuel Miranda made a thing that A, is his legacy, and B, is probably going to be looked at, at the, as the most influential theater production of the last 10, 15 years. It's the Black Panther problem. And he could have done it straight. He could have yeah. done it very operatic. Right. But he didn't. Yeah. He could have done it any other way that would have just kind of relegated to, oh, it's just a kind of singy kind of thing. But we we have some, all the touches that he put in, all the touches that all these actors are, are kind of putting into, we're doing, we have some, we have two rap battles. We have a very operatic kind of, I miss my man kind of thing balanced out by a <laughs> of a boasting song about how great I am. Like it's it's very I, I hate to say urban because you, we know what urban means. <laughs> but he did such a good job in how quotable, how how much in the how much in the ethos it is is just is just awesome to it's awesome to see, it's awesome experience. And like I said, when you go over it and you listen to it again, and you get to see it. And the two times we've seen it, the actors play things differently. Right. You got the same line, but how are you delivering that line? That kind of thing. And you really, because I really thought, oh, they're really just going to do the same thing over and over yeah. again. You know, oh, this is this is just the same thing. But now you're delivering it to me differently. And I just have nothing but actually admiration for the fact that this cat did a two-hour joint singing hip-hop acting instrumentation like we got the music is great the whole you know the 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 symphony gets to do its thing you get to show out a little bit on the drums it was just awesome so that is the stuff that was probably the pinnacle of my musical kind of thing thing in 2019 Nice. That's awesome. And some Speak. of that I will actually look up. <laughs> That's cool. Good. Yeah. For me, I spent a lot of time, as you could all probably guess, listening to a shit ton of rock metal. <laughs> uh, let's see. I, Brian Lutz. 360p. No, he's in 360p. He can't see the cover of the cover. <laughs> in 360p, he'll never see the cover of the cover. There's not a lot I can do. You, Brian Lutz, you should send me some money and I will mail you this comic. That's the only way you're going to see it. Brian, Brian lived next door to me in college. Okay. But in 360p, he can't even see the door to his own room. Like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> it's just not a thing. He's, he's stuck in a jail of his own making. <laughs> um, what, uh, I just, what I discovered this year, maybe even some of which was last year, um, there's some bands that I've been listening to for like the last couple years that I listened to a shit ton this year. But some of it was because they toured this year and came through Chicago within the last kind of like calendar year, right? So about a year ago, I saw... Leprous and Haken. Leprous is a Norwegian uh, sort of 
what I refer to as a death opera band. They're a death metal band, but I refer to them as death opera. They're not really super deathy. There's like there's times where there's just growly voices and all that, but they're really kind of uh, uh, very very beat heavy and and rhythmic and and melodic, right? And dark without like without imagery that is like sort of like not like black metal or anything like that. And I love this band, and they tour with Aiken, who's like kind of almost their label mates, but they're not they're not similar at all. They're Haken is more like a dream theater style band, like with um, crazy instrumentation and, and like just wild uh, prog shit just happening all over the damn place, um, sci-fi themes and everything else, right? And Haken is coming back to Chicago in March, opening up for uh, Devin Townsend, who's a Canadian uh, prog artist who I've never seen live, but I'm gonna maybe try to make that show because I would like to see Haken anytime I possibly can. Um, but I've apparently, and this is only because Spotify has told me. That I spent this year listening to nothing but the Pineapple Thief, Haken, Leprous, and Thank You Scientists, and Dream Theater. That's what I've been listening to all year long, apparently, according to Spotify. And this might be true, but it's because for sure Haken and Leprous toured together, and I love that experience so much that I was with a lot of them. And the Pineapple Thief, they played the same venue on the same day, so December first of this year. The Pineapple Thief came to town, and they're basically um kind of like a if. If a, a, I don't know, like a modern, maybe like a modern Floyd sound or like a, a modern Roxy music, but in like a, maybe like a prog metal kind of context, it's kind of what the Pineapple Thief sound like. And they have Gavin Harrison, who's a drummer for Porcupine Tree, as a drummer now. Um, I didn't go to that show, but like I intended to for a while, but circumstances determined that I couldn't go. But I really, I listened to a shit ton of them this year because just the idea that Gavin Harrison, he recorded on their previous album, and then their latest album, he actually uh, became a full member of the band. So there's like two albums with Gavin Harrison as their drummer, and their sound is entirely like elevated with him as a drummer. Um, so for sure, The Pineapple Thief, Leprous, and Haken, I spent a lot of time listening to. And then Thank You Scientists, I think I discovered like kind of towards uh, the beginning of the fall. And they're a East Coast uh, prog band, but with a horn section, right? <laughs> so they've got a trumpet, saxophone, and a violinist, uh, guitar player, drummer, like they're a whole like ensemble thing happening, um, and they are def songs about sci-fi themes, but like it's it's jazz, it's metal, rock. There's funk in there. There's a whole lot of things that they do that makes them incredibly catchy, okay. and your ears just don't get a break from whatever's coming next. When you just when you think here comes a guitar solo in a piece, it's not a violin solo. When you think oh they're just gonna they're gonna do like a, a metal breakdown, it's not. Here come the horns, right? They just they they give you a lot of things. That like, like you don't expect to fit, and they just do. And they're signed. When I say this next bit for like rock music, folks, they they they're signed to the same label uh, that uh, that Claudio Sanchez of Coheed and Cambria created, um, which I think is like well, now I can't remember the name of the label, but um, Evil Ink. It might be Evil Ink Music or something like that. Um, it's under that label. Their singer has a bit of the Claudio Sanchez vibe to him, which is kind of like a bit of a high pitched. Uh, uh, not quite falsetto, but like a little higher register singing. Um, it, it, you can see why there's kind of a, a connection between them and Coheed and Cambria, but they don't sound like Coheed and Cambria at all. They sound more like if Fishbone decided to be uh, a prog rock band or like a prog metal band and sing songs about like Fox Mulder from the X Files. Like you know, if, if they were if they grew up as as band like big band in school fans, right? Like and then became like fucking uber music nerds you might get this band, right? Um, I like them a lot, um, I, but I think the truth about Thank You Scientists, 
For as much as I like this band, I think I really only love their current album, Terraformer. Their other stuff, I'm going to say, is good, but a little too jumbly with the proggy shit. A little too... I almost never say a band has songs that are too long. Right? This band might have 12-minute long songs that should be 8-minute long songs. Let's just say that. Right? Like, there's times in which you can just... We can, we're done, B. We can cut that song off. You've already played that song and then another song, and you made that one song. We're good. Right? On their previous albums, I think that's kind of how they did. They didn't really know when to get out of a song. On Terraformer, there are long songs that, are, that fit. They're written, they're crafted really well, and you don't realize you're listening to an eight-minute long song. Right? You're happy to be there. Okay. Right? You're happy to be there. As opposed to 12-minute songs where... Where you're just like, what is... Is this four three-minute long songs? What do I got happening here? Right? You know? Uh, I was listening to Dream Theater on the way down here. I was listening to a song called Octavarium. And it's the title track from their album, Octavarium, which is probably like my favorite Dream Theater album. Right? And... Most of the time when this track comes up, I think it's like 20 minutes long, I, most of the time I skip it. Today, I listened to it on the entire train ride here, right? And mostly because I just wanted to remind myself of the places where I think this song should stop. <laughs> you know, what section could they have taken out to leave for another song, right? This song goes, that octogram goes on for an, forever and ever and ever, amen, right? And I'm just, it is not one of my favorite Dream Theater songs, but damn it, I, I just suffered through it the whole time. I was sitting at tweets while listening to it. Just like, okay, I'm, I can't fully immerse myself in this because it doesn't seem to end, right? I like long metal songs. I like long prog songs. I have no problem with that. But man, yo, <laughs> and y'all, just go get a drink or something. Stop. It can, it, we can be good here. And then I listened to some bands that I, I got into that I, um, that I didn't know a lot about probably prior to this year. Okay. And they've only got a couple of albums out, but I want more from these guys. And there are bands called um, Frost and Headspace specifically. And I think some of these bands might even share members. They are prog bands, but they're prog bands. That the, the best way I can describe them is if they're if you like that 80s kind of new wave sound and then you make it proggy, Frost and Headspace got you covered. Proggy. Right? Proggy, you know, where it's like... You know proggy. They, they, proggy, like they, bands that like revere Brian Eno and Pink Floyd. Right. And like some David Gilmore. Mm. And you know what I mean? Like, like those bands, while also knowing damn well that at some point they got to like they, they paid a lot of attention to the police. Right. And but then they have to give you that like that that they got to do that Iron Maiden style riff. Right. They just got to do it. Right. And then when you look at videos of the band, you realize they're all 50 year old dudes. So basically they loved all that shit back in the day like I did. Right. They were in high school the same time I was in high school. And now they're virtuoso musicians. Right, who still are making '80s music? That right. is, it's not '80s metal they're making. They're making '80s new wave, but with a prog metal kind of context to it. And I really enjoyed that. So that's how I spent a lot of my 2019. And for, for like the more metally kind of shit, I listened to a lot of Death Angel and Overkill this year, because I did go see also Death Angel and Overkill touring together. So I got stuck on their new album, or trying to. And I, I think Death Angel's newest album is called. Um, uh, Ah, fuck, I can't remember. But it doesn't matter because I don't like uh, I only like, like, um, Humanicide. I think it's what the, I don't, but I don't think that's the name of the whole album. But the song Humanicide, I love. The rest of the album hasn't grown on me yet. But 2019, I can't give that a big thumbs up. And the same with the new Overkill album. It's got a couple tracks on it that I really love. But what it made me do was go back and listen to a lot of their older shit. I'm not a guy who, like, listens to a band and then goes, oh, man, I don't like the new thing. I'm done with you guys. Y'all fell off. It just means I'll just go back to what I did like until you come with something I do like. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm too much of an adult to shit post what you're doing right now if I don't like it, right? You did something that I liked, 
Yeah. You just didn't bring the heat like I but like I hoped you would. Maybe to you you did. Right. Like a lot of these guys leave the studio, you know this thing, and that was fire. Fire. Then it fire gets to my ears, and I'm like, ooh, my fire ears are fireproof, y'all. Like I can't do this. I have fireproof eardrums. I'm sorry. Like I can't. I'm not into this, right? But I do have the ability to make a playlist, thirty songs long, of all all your shit that I love, and I'm gonna listen to that and include some of your new shit. And I'll still put people up on you. I just no, I can't sit and listen to your whole your whole new joint because we just didn't do anything for you. You know? And hell, when I see you live and you're also not playing a bunch of shit from your new joint, that tells me something. It does. Yeah. It does. You know what's up. You know? I'll see you on your next release, sir. You know? I have no problem with that. What else we got? Alright, now I think we're gonna go to that was the musics. This is the watchings. What do we watch? Okay. So I don't know about you. I'm going to defer because, but actually, you, I watch probably more television than you do. You yeah. definitely do. Yeah. I think pretty much 98% of the people out there who are listening watch more television. Yeah. And, I, and I'm only, I'm not really watching, if I, if I really talked about my actual TV interests, I would bore the shit out of people because I watch a lot of trash. <laughs> I, I will watch a crime procedural TV show in New York Minute. I just watched the season I have of Taken, a TV show. Okay. <laughs> We will I not will discuss watch, that. I will watch trash. We will not discuss that. <laughs> because because I want I want the premise to work, and I'm going to stay in while it's not working. I'm staying as long as I possibly can. But I tapped out of taking. I didn't finish the second season. Good. I only got two. I was stunned it got two seasons. Had they kept the same premise from season one to season two, I probably would have thrilled. But with the premise change, I, st- I liked everybody in it. I liked everybody involved. I just didn't like the stories. Right, which is the point. That was kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah, the plots, the plots. That's that's the, whatever the, the capers were, I didn't like the capers. capers. But I did watch a lot of Titans, which I loved. Doom Patrol, which was awesome. One of the best like kind of comic book genre things that happened all year. Doom Patrol was this year. Swamp Thing, I liked the Swamp Thing that I saw, but I didn't finish it because at some point, they, never, they just didn't get me to my Blue Devil as a, as a, 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 a guest character in time before I bounced out of it. They teased the Blue Devil, okay. who's a character I've, I've loved from DC Comics. They teased him, Madame Xanadu. I just didn't get a, I didn't get Blue Devil soon enough before I just tapped out of the show. Uh, but what I did watch was really good. Uh, I started watching the Watchmen TV show, which is fantastic because, and I will I will I will segue here, in that, in the group, because you have been you have been you know doing your life things and everything. Um, a number of our compatriots, a number of our colleagues are like, we don't know what he thinks of these joints and has been calling you out, but you have not been responding. Which I would have been had. So, so, wait, hold on. We th- <laughs> Troy dissed me at some point. It was unintentional. <laughs> it was completely unintentional. What y'all don't know is in the background, I specifically was waiting to get face-to-face with Troy to tell Troy he dissed me in our group, and he had to answer for it, and he has answered for it. I Look, <laughs> this was not a diss track to you. It was not a diss track. I'm not often today Nick Cannon, and speaking of diss track, speaking of the fact it's 1984 called, Nick Cannon just released a diss track to Eminem. Today. Yeah. So, so our friends have questions about the Watchmen, <laughs> which I will no. get to. I will answer them questions about the Watchmen. No, it's just the fact, oh. what is your, because. I love it. I think it's fantastic. I think that the producers of this show, they did a thing, they did a thing that I expected them to do, and they did a thing I didn't expect. I expect everybody who's doing a comic-related show 
to do some amount of research on the comic itself, whether you're going to pull some storyboards or whether you're going to pull some story beats or elements. You're going to do that. Everyone's going to do that. What I don't expect people to do, which these guys did do, was to dig down and catch the spirit of Watchmen, right, and pull that thing from 1986 to 2019, right? Not everybody can do that on a TV show based on the comic, right? Hell, Game of Thrones didn't really do that all that well, pulling it directly from the books of the time period it took place in, right? These guys were able to take Watchmen and what, what Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons left there, to take that and actually take a step forward with it, connect it to the graphic novel in a way that I'm not even sure Alan Moore would have foreseen, right? And give you a thing that if someone told me Alan Moore intended this, I'd believe him, right? Because what Alan Moore will do when writing a graphic novel is he won't tiptoe around the delicate parts of racial histories and issues with countries and, and, and its peoples, right? Alan Moore won't, won't pussyfoot around like the dark shit that countries and, and people are afraid of and ashamed of. Alan Moore ain't gonna get away from that. He'll go right at it. He'll point it out to you. He will say, this is your history. This is your culture. This is, this is where you've been, right? He will do that, right? So, so these guys did that thing, right? They basically pulled directly from the graphic novel and they even used some things that Man, are American history ass kind of like signposts, right? And threw those right in from the jump, right? And I thought, okay, I'm in. It, episode one, they had me. Well, yeah, and there were times when I could see it was clear that if I want to get out, I can get out now. Every episode, no, nah, this ain't where you get out. No, you, if you get out, you will miss this thing. <laughs> there was a point where I was like, okay, come on with the Lewis Gossett Jr. Let's go. Like, what is the point? And when they got to the point, I was like, that was worth it. That payoff was 100% worth it. Every single bit was worth it, right? Totally worth it. I loved watching the show. Uh, Jack Ryan, second season happened on Amazon Prime. I watched all that. I liked season one more, but I'm a sucker for these spy shows with reluctant, dumb lead guys, right? Like, and, and reluctant, dumb lead guy, uh, Jack Ryan, I did like that. There's also a show on Amazon Prime called Patriot, which might have a more tragic, dumb lead character uh, in it. And and I like that show too, although I'm still in season one of that. Uh, and I spent a hell of a lot of time this year watching Star Trek The Next Generation all over again. Because it's an easy show that my wife and I can actually watch together. Because she doesn't really watch any television either, right? Like, you, we'll, we'll be sitting around and the TV will be on and I might be wearing headphones watching something on my computer, right? And so she's going to watch something, but she doesn't want to watch something violent. She doesn't want to watch anything gory. So, like, there's a lot of Star Trek that ends up on in my house and Treehouse Masters. Well, this dude, Pete Nelson, makes fucking treehouses, dog. Like, that's the thing. You know, it's on Animal Planet. We don't watch anything else on Animal Planet. We watch the fucking Treehouse show, right? And I think we've seen every episode of Tree, Treehouse. Man, if they release a new season, I might watch as much Treehouse Masters in my house as I watch the uh, Motor Trend Channel's Bitchin' Rides, which might be my favorite show on television right now. It's a car, hot rodding, overhauling show that I'm fucking addicted to. You know, I was watching Wheeler Dealers today, also a show on the Motor Trend Channel. When when Ant Antstead is dropping the rear differential out of a car and he's explaining the way he's doing it is because it was a Corvette he was doing this. Right? It was a, like a, a ZR6 or a, a Z06 or whatever. It was, it was like 2002. The point was he was explaining that in order to get at the clutch, he had to uh, uh, drop the the transaxle and the drive shaft because he needs to move all that back like eight inches to even get at the clutch. And when he did it, I said to myself, well, of course. 
Because if somebody's fucking car shows, <laughs> of course that's what you got to do, right? I wasn't like, that seems like a lot of work. It, it, of course it was a lot of work, but I understood it to be a lot of work because I've watched these guys do this shit over and over and over again. Because in my house, it's got to be a, a show that where there's no actual, like, there's no blood, no gore, nothing that's nightmare-inducing, right? No, no, no pandering, you know what I mean? It's just a show that's on, and you might actually learn some shit, okay. right? Like, if you got car trouble on the side of the fucking road, I might be able to roll up, look at your shit and say, I know what the problem is, I also know I can't fix it. Versus, bro, that looks rough. <laughs> I may be able to tell you now what the problem is, right? I cannot fix that thing, okay. but so I'm halfway there. Okay. I will at least say, oh, I know what the problem is. You know what? Let's call your guy. Or let's call my guy. My guy can get it fixed right here and get you out of here. Versus, nah, bro, you better have 150 bucks, you don't have to tell this bitch. What used to happen well, was, what used to happen was you'd have car trouble and I'd bounce and just go to the train. <laughs> like, I can't sit here all night and I ain't pushing shit. Right? I used to just abandon you. Now I want to abandon you. Now I will assess the problem, right? Because I have enough knowledge to be dangerous, right? And I will bounce. There's a joint, speaking of just things to have on, there's a joint on Netflix. I don't, I can't remember. It's two British people going around the world looking at houses. Okay. And it is awesome. Because some of these houses are, they're in different shapes, different challenges. Like, I like this mountain. I would like to live here. Make it so. Okay. And people, and they're, they're going through. That is through totally it. the kind of thing we're going to watch. And we're, we go through, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, an, it's a dude who's an architect. And a lady who apparently is like some British television person who's just, who apparently flips houses in her spare time. Wait, are you talking about Love to Listed? Okay, oh, no. love it or list it. No. <laughs> We've also watched a no. lot of. Them. <laughs> no, um, that uh, I'm told it's amazing houses. It's some, but it's British. Okay. It's from it's BBC. Okay, he's an architect. She's like, she's the one who she knows she knows about houses, so she's not totally stupid about it. Okay, she knows what she's looking at and everything like that. But you're actually going into these, and sometimes the people who bought it or built it are there, and they're like, well, what are you doing there? What are you thinking here? And they'll walk through the house, and it's, it's three houses an episode. And they separate it out by country. So, like, houses of India. Okay. How, and it's houses of Japan. Like it. Right. it is awesome. It's very, and it's very British. Um, but they both seem really excited about different things. Sure. Like, the architect's like, oh, look at the supports. Oh. And, <laughs> and the lady's like, where's the bath? Where's the bath? <laughs> and they like, and, like, she goes and toddles off and does something else. But dude, and dude, he sketches a thing about, you know, and gets you into, well, they didn't want to move this tree, so they built around this tree by doing this thing. Okay. And he draws it out, and you're like, Carl Malone. Of course Carl you Malone do. famously wanted a house. He wanted there to be water. And I think he might have wanted to fish. So his house was built over a river, I think. <laughs> like, over a river. So the river runs, like, through his living room. I think I remember this correctly. You know what I mean? Like, because... Sometimes you just want what you want, you can afford it, so you do it. Other show Excellent. that I've gotten into recently, I've because what because I did watch a season I have a taken when I really shouldn't have, I've fallen back into discovering that watching anime really did used to make me happy. Right? <laughs> so I've just gone into like okay. I've gone it still back. does. That's the point. Well, it does. Oh, and, okay. and well for a long time I just wasn't there. I was watching My Hero Academia, not much else, right? So like uh, Netflix is a <laughs> as an anime producer. There's nothing Netflix won't try in anime. And I started watching a show called Levius. Or Levius. It is basically a, a, a 
like Victorian era steampunk show about boxers, right? Steampunk boxers, right? It is it is like like it's got the emotion of like say space opera stuff, right? So Levius is the lead character, and he's a cyborg boxer dude, steampunk cyborg boxer dude who's got some some issues sorting through his emotions, right? He's he's boxing, searching for some answers to something, right? And it's this show I'm I'm in. They got me. And I started watching last night. I, I was up late having trouble sleeping because I made some poor dinner decisions and my brain started attacking me. Um, I started watching Agritsu... Uh, Agritsu... Yeah, that one. Yeah, Agritsuko. Yeah, that one. Agritsuko is fucking that. awesome. I started watching that. Oh, my God. And, and that... Yeah. Rage. Lots of rage. rage. Lots of rage. Oh, my God. Lots of shitty work situations. Yo. They're all familiar. They're all familiar. Everybody, you will, you watch Gretzuko, you you will know, like you will know what you're watching. Yes. You will understand it. Watch it, it perfect fucking sense. Yes. Watch it with the caption. I have to watch it with the captions on because a lot of the stuff that I'm watching, if it's on Netflix, I'm watching it on a tablet while I'm right before I go to sleep. Okay. No, because so the, the sound is off. Okay. I oh, have to watch the because the thing is, is that they don't actually say exactly what's on the caption. Oh sure, that is also a thing. Yeah. So the caption is like 90 percent. But, it, but you yeah. don't get the you don't get the, the vibe of like, you know, I'm unhappy. This place sucks. Like they'll right. do that kind of. Mm-hmm. So it's here yeah, the same thing. That's yeah. what it means. But they yes. actually yes give you that more. Yeah. And it is hilarious. And like the difference is just hilarious. But two seasons, like my girl goes through it. But she gets the karaoke, lets it out. Right. <laughs> she gets the karaoke. Ah. She says, this fat pig boss of mine should die. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That shit, Gretzico, is the best shit. Um, no, it is not. I don't think it's grand design. I'll look. Okay. Anyway. Um, the, other thing that happened, the other thing that happened in 2019 that cannot go ignored by me, the wrestling fan, is all of the wrestling debuted in 2019. Right, and as wrestling, like new wrestling companies come and they go. Yes. Right. They don't often get like major, like independent news. They don't often get major news coverage in general. They don't often get to sign major stars, and they don't often also then get big TV deals. Right. AEW went from being a thing that did not exist in January 2019 to by October 2019 having a TNT show, having already done like multiple pay per views in a year. Right. And their shows are excellent. Now there's still some things about like in terms of, like the my feelings about the overall quality of the product that I think if it were up to me, if I were like a producer here, there's some things I might do a little differently for them. But so far I'm incredibly entertained by them. And so one of the things, if you want to watch AEW, you can watch every Tuesday night or every Wednesday night on TNT at seven o'clock from seven to nine, you get two hours. Vince McMahon was so shook by the prospect of having AEW develop uh, under his nose that he moved his show NXT off of the WWE network onto Wednesday nights on like USA or something like that, right? So now he has a show on broadcast that is directly opposite AEW and AEW is beating him in the ratings. But the innovative thing that AEW did that I'm really impressed with is before every wrestling show generally, there's a series of what we call dark matches. Matches that are not going that are not broadcast to people who are watching at home or whatever. But a lot oftentimes it's like sometimes it's a tryout for some guys, sometimes it's like just to get some do some extra work. It's really to hype the crowd up. Okay. To get you pumped for what's coming later, they'll give you two, three matches, right, in the pre-show, right? 
to like get you get you set, get you ready to yell, get you fully like like lubricated and ready to go for when the show actually starts. So AEW is no different in this regard. They have dark matches, but what they'll do is they will take the dark match that happens on their Wednesday night show and they will release it on YouTube for free at six o'clock the following Tuesday. So at six o'clock the following Tuesday, you will be you will get an hour of free wrestling content of AEW superstars, right? Who basically were just warming the crowd up the previous week, right? AEW Dark is what the show's called, and it's cool. It's like holy look, look they didn't just they didn't, they're not putting like nobodies on their their pre-show either. Sometimes Kenny Omega, who's like one of the owners of the company, like sometimes the biggest stars they have might just have worked the dark match that night. They have the rest of the night off. Maybe there's something else they've written for them later on in that show. But you can be, let's say you don't have cable. Right? right, you don't have you, you, you've cut the cord. You ain't got cable. Yeah. You could watch online if you have the internet. Yes, you could do that because I've watched. Um, I have watched AEW while at the store. What is a story event that I'm not involved in? I'm not involved in. So there's like a story event going on here, and I'm just like in the shop proper, not in the event. So we're sitting in the classroom, the event space now, right? So when let's say the Doctor Who meetup is going on, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm not watching Doctor Who with the Doctor Who meetup guys, but it's a Wednesday night, it's a third Wednesday, I'll be in the shop proper. And I might be working on an order or something like that, but I can turn on, I can go to uh, the Comcast website, go to TNT, and just watch AEW online, and I'm not missing anything, right? But on a Tuesday, let's say I've got a Tuesday event and I'm not involved, I can watch AEW Dark. I can watch it anytime I want, right? Like, because it's 6 o'clock. Tag team matches, women's matches, the women's division is phenomenal, right? They have just, just really great talent. They have... Some of the, the hottest independent talent and global and international talent. They have fa- a fantastic women's division. They, their referees are like people that I've been watching ref matches for 15 years, right? They, they are, they have like, they're like, I, I want, they're LGBT friendly. Like, they have Sonny Kiss is, he's, he's a gay wrestler, but his gimmick incorporates like who he is as a person, right? In such a way, it is incredibly entertaining and incredibly effective, you know? Nyla Rose is is you know, like she's she's the she's from Washington D.C. Her gimmick is she's called the Native Beast. She's Native American. She's the Native Beast Nyla Rose, and she's just like a, a tank in the women's division. She's a trans wrestler, right? She's a trans lady wrestler. Like she's great. They're all of so much good talent being able to be showcased there, like doing what they do without some big corporate muckety muck being afraid of what they might say, what they might do, what people might think. Like fuck that. The future of wrestling is. Everyone, anyone can do this, and you should. If you got the talent to do this, you should be seen, right? Okay. You should be seen. And then wrestling is is such a a, a thing that can be a, an, an experience to be inclusive in terms of the talent, yeah. right? In terms of you can get you can get Japanese wrestlers and British wrestlers, Canadian wrestlers and American wrestlers from the Southwest, and you have four distinctly different styles in the ring, yeah. right? Like you, that is a thing that you can't. If I got if I just said, okay, we're going to get people from these four parts of the world, we're going to do a spy movie, we wouldn't necessarily get distinct flavors yeah. of where you're from and who you're about when that happens, right? In this business, like, there are geographical styles that get represented. And just having to just find out somebody spent two years in another country, you know, let's say the UK or Ireland, right? And, but they themselves might be some brother from Baltimore. You will see it in his style that he had two years in Ireland because there will be things that he does that they do in Ireland that they don't do anywhere else yeah. or Germany, you know? Like, AEW is pulling all that together on and largely just, you know, a couple hours on a Wednesday night, you know? And it's uh, some of these wrestlers are people that, that you've seen if you watch WWE stuff, but if you're an indie wrestling fan, 
the cats that I've seen that they've, that they've signed, that they've hired, that they're showcasing, that they're letting work, that they're just letting them do their thing. I love it. I'm glad 2019 was uh, uh, the, 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 a thing that actually could happen in 2019. I'm thrilled. I love AEW. Yeah. And yes, it is the world's most extraordinary home. And another thing about Brian, who lived next door to me for a couple of years in college. It was Brian Bickham. Yes, Brian Bickham. Did not live next door to you. No, he did not. Right, Brian Lutz did. Brian Lutz Brian did. Bickham lived next door to me in high yes. school. Yes. All right. Brian Lutz was also a producer at WWE for a very long time. Was. Really? Yes. That's cool. Yes, he was there for quite a few. Quite a few Excellent. Quite a few. So, which is but why we I did. to ask you, which was, what was your fault? <laughs> no, because kayfabe. That's, that's fair. I was, I was told kayfabe. I was right. told kayfabe many right. times. Right, right, um, right. I did not ask for swag or anything like that, but he had a bunch of bunch of things. Cool. Like, oh, I got this from so and so, and I and to anybody else that would have been great. And I just went. Here's the, here's the thing that AEW has changed for a lot of people, right? Like, there are a lot of wrestlers in the WWE who are unhappy and want their release. There's a whole lot of, like, negotiation going on to prevent that person from having their release because it's just, it is clear if they leave, they can go to Impact Wrestling, which also has a show, right, that oh, a lot of great talents working there. And they can go to AEW. They'll be on fucking TV immediately, right? And it is, like, they let Dean Ambrose, they let uh, John Moxley go, and that was probably something they should, never should have done, right? Because instantly, AEW got a guy who's, like, top three in their company immediately when that happened, right? There's guys that let go, like, uh, um... Uh, there's a guy named Ben Satterley, his, his wrestling name is Pac. Um, they fired him some time ago. They let him go some time ago. So I'm sure they didn't see that as a problem when he left because AEW didn't exist. But the minute AEW got that guy, they had a world-class talent who'd been working for, like, years at a high level that the fan base could lose their damn minds over, right? Um, the WWE didn't think it was a matter when Cody Rhodes left, right? They didn't, when they let Cody Rhodes go, they were like, okay, you're just – it never really panned out here. What are you possibly going to go do? Right? Goes and forms his damn company. Right? When his brother, Dustin Rhodes, Gold Dust, is like, I think I want my release. They were like, okay, yeah, sure. What are you going to do? Go work for your brother? Yes, that's what I'm going to do. Like, revitalize his whole damn career. Right? On Wednesday nights. Get yourself, get being able to do this job on primetime. There's some guys out there who would love this opportunity to be seen by a lot of people who are not working in the WWE system, who are allowed to do their thing, be the characters they want to be, be themselves. Right? Yeah. Get, get, get pushes that, like, earn it. Like, you know, work with some great talent and try some things. And the AEW's letting people do that, and I like it. Boom. Yeah. That's what we watch. That's what you watch. I'm watching that. Okay. I don't think we had. Yeah, yes. that's, the, that's the end of our. That's the end of what I have for 2019. Oh, what we played. So I played is. Skyrim. <laughs> On brand, son. And, and, and I, do, brand. I have a switch now. I have a switch now. So I've, I've played a lot of Breath of the Wild, and I'm going to acquire. At some point, the Marvel Ultimate Alliance game, and play that. I really do still want to play that. I haven't played that yet, but I do want to switch. Okay. So this is coming. Okay. And I'm also I'm gonna soon. I shall acquire Skyrim on the Switch and start all over again. But I played Skyrim. But Skyrim doesn't have mods. On it. I, I'm aware. I'm gonna have to play vanilla Skyrim. I've been psyching myself up to this. I've been watching YouTube videos about Skyrim, to, so that I can officially I can officially garden. I want to efficiently garden. You know, because I'm gonna be make, I gotta make potions. I gotta. I don't want to waste my time just grabbing anything. So I'm, I'm, I might be min-maxing my ingredient grabbing. Yeah. Okay. Shout out to Major Slack. Major Slack attack. You know, that's the dude I'm watching. Okay. Um, I will say, so this year has been the year Borderlands. Borderlands has been the shit. Borderlands 3 came out, and I have many hours in that. Um, that came out in September. 
Um, my character, my first character just made level 50, which is the level cap right now. Just made 50 last weekend. Um, I am now shooting things in with very large guns, which is always fun. Um, and doing so with, with style, with panache. And the character- Borderlands still have that weird sort of pastel color palette thing? No. Because now we've moved off that that planet, and now we have other planets now. Okay. So now we're visiting moons. Now we're in lush jungle. So it looks like Halo. It's all over the place. Okay. All right. It's all over the place. I'm fighting Saurians and advanced monkey people on one, an evil corporate um, gun manufacturer in another. Um, all over the place. I'm, like, I'm going down streets. It's like urban warfare. What platform are you playing on? I'm I'm on three I'm on um, my Xbox One. Um, they do not have cross-platform, uh, but um, you have mods. They only on PC. Which is the thing is though is that you know you have voice lines you have all sorts of stuff and I'm shooting things with guns that do fire and ice and electricity and radio and radiation. So it's actually pretty okay. okay. It's pretty fun. Um, so this has been the year of Borderlands. Um, I put a lot of money, uh, a lot of time into NHL, ladies and gentlemen. He also does put a lot of money into the NHL. Yes. Well, 60 bucks a year. But (laughs) what I've learned, because years ago I left Madden. We left the Madden thing because definitely fuck that guy. Fuck that franchise. Because Madden has figured out, EA Sports has figured out, we're going to give you the same game every year. What are you going to do about it? This is the only game you have. If you want to play this sport electronically, you have to buy our game. Meh. Because monopolies are great. Um, thing is, is that there's only one hockey game. And I buy that every year. I'm a dumbass. And when I buy that, I do the same thing. I create myself, my alter <laughs> ego, who is not six foot six, two hundred and ten pounds, who's actually six foot two, maybe two thirty, as a power forward. And I hit people, and I camp out near the net and shove people. That's kind of the thing. Um, they have not changed that experience in the past four years. It's the same thing with updated menus every bleep year. And I said this year, like, I'm not going to buy it again. And then I went, oh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and buy it again. And I was stupid. And because Electronic Arts figures, what are you going to do, sucker? So... Uh, this is probably my last year buying NHL. But in the meantime, they just announced that they just patched in a thing where every now and again, randomly, Snoop Dogg comes and narrates your game. <laughs> Snoop comes in and he sits in the booth for a period and he, you're, you're doing things on the ice and, the, and the, the play-by-play guy is asking him questions and if you do a thing, like Snoop reacts to it. This is amazing. Also, the fact that I can name my player. So you can name your player, but you can also put what their broadcast name is. So what they call so they, you. They, they say it. They say, they the say thing a thing. Type. Oh. Black Dynamite. 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 So the announcer will say, goal by Black Dynamite. Penalty by Black Dynamite. Okay. Then they do it, like, is it because they record your voice saying it? No, no. Or they just, they just use a library of they have, a library of they have a library of voices. They have oh, a library okay. of, of names. So they include all these NHL names, but also some nicknames. Boomer. Sure. Um, random things. They, they did not have a hunter, which is why I, I would have gone for that. But no. 
Black been, Dynamite. Black Hunter or Hunter Dynamite? I've been Hunter. No, you just Hunter. That's oh, okay. I would just there's a hunt in the NHL. Okay. But there's no hunter. I see. Okay. So that's kind of annoying. Anyway, um, but yeah, I bought NHL twenty. I put a lot of put a lot in that. Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed Odyssey was the shit. I put a lot of time in that, and the fact that you were able to run through ancient Greece, ancient Rome, awesome. Absolutely awesome. Loved pretty much every point of it. Combat was great. Kind of open-ended story, depending on what you wanted to do. If you wanted to, like, ah, screw that guy. I don't want to do that thing. Or you got, eventually people start reacting to, are you a cruel madman? Yeah. Are you a very nice person who we can come to you with our problems? Um, also, the fact that it brought back ship combat. I am all about ship combat. Ever since Assassin's Creed like Black fighting Flag, fighting on a ship or like ship to like the ship ships ship. running at each other, ship to ship, like with label like a cannon and shit. With cannon, well, oh. in this with arrows, air okay. archers. Well, you can no, no, dip your arrows in that fire pit right there. Okay. Fire. Okay. Whoosh. And if you hit their sails, like the sails, sure. and people are like ah. Um, and you can also have javelin throwers. Okay. And every now and again, a javelin thrower gets somebody just right, so you see their rag dolls. Like, <laughs> and then okay. to take over a ship, you have to actually board it, sure. and then defeat everybody on it and right. kick people off. And there's also, and I think I, I mentioned this, um, it got released last. It got released last year because I mentioned the Spartan kick, the get the entire fuck out of here kick. Yeah, yeah. That's a thing. So like, if you're feeling crowded, you can like wow. Nothing's better than because you're on the agency. Yeah. Kick it, and oh, there's a shark. Oh, you're done. Yeah. And sometimes you get to fight the sharks, but whatever. Um, spent a lot of time in that. The story is really the story is really well done. Um, you're involved. You actually you kind of like the people you're dealing with. Um, you have they, they evoke a lot of emotional beats, um, and it's not as pay to play as previous Assassin's Creed games. Where before you had to just keep grinding and grinding, like I need to get more drachma so I can upgrade this thing. Sure. I just do a couple things and then reload the save and go do the thing again. And like, yeah, there's not as much of that in this. Um, Black Flag, which came out years ago, had the the ship combat, um, which is where you were sailing like the Bahamas and and um, the Atlantic, uh, being the pirate, doing the pirate thing. This you're just like you're just you're commandeering a a boat and you're just running you're running into things you're running your hole into things you're doing broadsides uh doing that whole thing really enjoyed that um that was odyssey origins was good too origins was in egypt okay so you got to run around memphis and all these the pyramid you got to climb the pyramid if you want to like okay so it's but it says it's still like it's parkour with stabbing it's yes okay. always okay also, always ah stabbing um always good time um, yeah, so, oh, and then since I have a Switch, and I've introduced my wife to it, Smash, Super Smash Brothers. Okay. Knocking cats out. Now, I'm not good enough to actually, like, say, challenge people, but the computer can get all of these all the time. Okay. Just, you know, and since it's the entire Nintendo library, and you're doing Mega Man, and, okay. like, Donkey Kong, and, like, all these random things, and then Final Fantasy characters, like, to, uh, okay, you're a Final Fantasy character, that's a thing. Um, but then, you know, I'm Castlevania and right. Bayonetta and Kirby. <laughs> Kirby. <laughs> Kirby! Yeah, Kirby, sure. His goddamn Kirby's great. Um, always enjoyable. Um, 
And since I don't do the Marvel thing anymore, because they patched things and it still isn't better than it was, they've introduced new characters. Yay. All right. Who'd they introduce? Um, you can now play as Colossus. Okay. Um, and the Marvel Marvel Knights. So Moon Knight, um, there's four of them. So there's four, there's a Marvel Knight pack. package. Okay, gotcha. Um, still not wanting to, oh, yeah. still not caring. But I also now have a PlayStation 4 because of the sale. And I can rebuy Marvel Ultimate Lions 1 and 2. Oh, cool. All right. Okay. Because those were good. Because those were awesome. Yeah, those were good. And they put in all the DLC so you don't have to buy them. Oh, all right. So the thing was like Juggernaut was a, a DLC character that you right. couldn't buy. You had to buy with a thing. They just put it in. Okay, all right. Put them in. So I'm going to get that again. And that's pretty much true. And I've been actually unboxing the PS4. Um, but when I do, I'm going to buy those things. And Spider-Man. Because I bought it for Spider-Man and MLB The Show, 18. Um, MLB Show 20. Because uh, Spider-Man got a ton of great reviews. And apparently it's actually really good. That's what I've heard. I got no problem with that. Like, you like they've remodeled, they've mapped New York. Because if there's one city in this world that hasn't been mapped and remapped. and Nope. You just buy a map in New York. Yeah. And now, sure. you know, oh, you get to run around Manhattan. Yay. Every building meticulously detailed. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. But it's all, apparently it's just great. It's great to do. You just, you just run around the open world thing and like, I want to stop a crime by basically webbing people up to beams now. Yeah. Huh. For the, eh, hey, then you can make a call. You quit the entire time. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, that is what I've been playing. Awesome. All right. And Skyrim. I think we've, and Skyrim. <laughs> I think we have covered 2019. I think, I think we've covered um, wishes for 2020. Uh, more Skyrim. Uh, <laughs> more Skyrim. Uh, everybody be cool to each other. Don't take any shit. Oh, okay. Point. I wish we in respectability politics. Yeah. But, uh, I can be good with it. Well, yeah, generally. Yeah, generally. Sometimes yeah. it's hard. Sometimes there's, there's, because I even catch myself sometimes, like, when I'm out, like, bro, really? Then also, I'm like, Man, some people ain't got a lot of fucking choices they can make. Yeah. You know? So I don't even be shitting on them. Yeah. Who's that? A lot of times when I'm, I, I, when I'm tweeting, I'm tweeting about my commuter experiences, but I'm not ever really, like, on people about some of this stuff. Yeah. Today, my issue was <laughs> I got on the train coming here, and it was clear that whatever the hell train car I had stepped on, it was too late for me to step off of it and get on another car. But it was clear I shouldn't sit in any of these seats at all, right? But I'm also aware it is now winter in Chicago. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot more of that than yeah. there's going to be less of that. Yeah. Right? So it's an unfortunate situation. Right. I have the ability to stand my ass up for three stops, you know, and then bounce. And yeah. Right? But I, I did, I was like, nope, that's dubious. That's some liquid of, I don't want to know what origin. And I don't know what the hell that is on the floor over there. And why? That ain't rust. Nope. You know? Like... My commute's like that sometimes, you know? But it's unfortunate, and we ain't doing shit about it, and I ain't got to be pointing fingers at people. You know what I mean? Yeah. I ain't doing that. Yeah. You know? I'm not an asshole. I'm observant, but I'm not an asshole. Dig So maybe 2020, let's try not to be asshole. Uh, Brian, let's mention the Untitled Goose Game might be game of the year. It might be true. I've never played it. Uh, friends of mine have love definitely it. played it, and they love it. They so, love it to death. If, it, if, if there's an award for game of the year and that one gets it, I would understand, given just how much 
Uh, I've seen people doing that, and I've seen a lot of people playing. Uh, my friends are playing um, uh, Fire Emblem. Yeah. Um, and some Outer, other games. Outer Worlds. Yeah, a, yeah. A lot of things where now we're we're doing the fantasy out of new the space which, colony. The time in which I could be doing some of that, I will also point out I've gotten reacquainted with Magic the Gathering. So I've been playing a shit ton of Magic the Gathering. I've been making a ton of, like all of my cards are getting thrown into decks. So I'm spending a lot of time doing that when I ought to be maybe doing something like playing a new game. But that just means I'm just going to go back and play Skyrim when I'm not playing Magic. So yeah. you're not going to get me to not play Skyrim America. It's not gonna happen. I own it in three to four different formats. I think now. Yeah. It's the best game ever made. Why should I play another game? The rest of you are touring the country. You're coming back home to Skyrim eventually. Just come on back. <laughs> no, I'll meet you in White Room. <laughs> Which, when Skyrim gets to the point where it can be multiplayer, where I can meet you in Skyrim, when I can meet you in White Run, don't worry. We're all playing a game. It'd be like I meet you in Solitude. It's a better city. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 32 of Stakes is Hot. Yee! Black Nerd Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I remain Troy Hunter, a.k.a. Not even a.k.a. Shit. Also, are, no, I'm also a.k.a. <laughs> Tall Black Guy on the Twitters, on the on all the social media things. Um, a.k.a. Han Yolo. A.k.a. <sighs> still here. Still kicking. And... Appreciative of you as listeners slash viewers and people like you. People who are like listeners and viewers, yes, but are not listeners and viewers. Yes. So we appreciate you listeners and viewers and your friends. And those. And those yeah. you've told about us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Who are as- assholes. I'm Terry Gant, also known as Doc Midnight, at Doc Midnight on Twitter. I am, now that I've been paid to do it in 2019, I can officially be... DJ Dread October. Um, on Halloween, I actually have a DJ Dread October costume. It's great. I have a kilt. <laughs> We're recording live from Third Coast Comics at 6443 North Sheridan Road, Chicago, Illinois. It's been great having you. Buy your shit. Read your comics. Let's be good in 2020. Even though, yeah, it might, might get a little iffy every now and again. We're going to start off our 2020 episode with, what bullshit did we expect to experience this year? <laughs> that would be it's good. clear. It's clear that we, we sense some bullshit on the horizon. <laughs> we sense it. <laughs> I sense a disturbance in the force. Since mad disturbances. Mad disturbance in the force. That was, not also, that was also not a Star Wars jab, because I'm probably going to love the Star Wars movie. So, yeah. I don't care if people hate it. I just don't give a shit. Okay. There's also a Star Wars game, which people love. Yeah. Whatever. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Thank you, people, for watching, typing along. And we will holler at y'all in the 2020s. We will. We'll see you in about a month. Go read your comics. Read all your comics. Read them. Read your comics. All of them. Good night.